Support for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Facebook. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter. At ECL Podcast. Tumblr. ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. And Gmail. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And from listeners like you. Thank you. And my free time. Got to get that in there. Well, Lucas, um, I have to thank you for something today. You got me into what I can predict is going to be a new new game of mine. And I don't want to say new obsession, but it. Uh, certainly it... Uh, Mario meets the Rabbids? Is oh, that what you're talking about? Oh, yeah. Like, I... <laughs> I can't. I can't wait. No, you're just no longer. staring at the picture of the rabbit dressed up as Princess Peach, and you're like, "Ah, this is good. This is nice." Hasht- Mario's got a gun. Hashtag Babby. Hashtag Babby. Uh, Hashtag Give Mario a gun. No longer conservative, fun and wacky. That's right. You know, I, the thing I didn't like about Mario was how uptight he was. Conservative. How, how conservative is definitely the right term. And I'm, I'm glad the those wacky rabbits. You know I love those little guys. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, those wacky, crazy buddies, man. Those screaming, they... wailing, <laughs> Hashtag Babby. Uh, no, it's uh, Hearthstone. Yeah. Uh, this is the first time I've ever played Hearthstone. Free to play. And, uh, yeah, I had a great time this afternoon <laughs> playing through the tutorial. It made me feel real good. And then I went to play one of the practice matches, and I got stomped like three times. Oh, yikes. I did not build a very good deck the first couple of times. I just go with the – I. that's the part I understand the least about it. I usually just go with the default decks, or mm-hmm. I look up online, and it's mm-hmm. like, what's your optimal Hearthstone deck? Or, Will, what you could do is you could spend a bunch of money Ugh. and then get those – those ultra rares. Yeah, I took I took a look at just like, hey, what? How much? How much is a character? It's like thirteen ninety nine. Like, no, thank you. <laughs> I said, no. See, just I have all the of all that Yu Gi Oh experience. So like, right. Uh, I have friends who are like master deck builders. So you're like, where's I, Blue Eyes White Dragon? Why is he not in this game? I'm we, trying to make a. What's the thing that takes five things to make and it ends the ends the game? Um, uh, oh, Exodia. Yeah, where, my my Exodia, my right arm of Exodia. Where is it? That's right. No, I really like the way that it plays, and I'm looking forward to uh, playing with you uh, sometime very soon, and perhaps you as well. Welcome. Fellow Hearthstone player, potentially. Uh, my name's Will Young, and this is Elwood City Limits. No, it's not the Blizzard podcast. It's not the Warcraft adjacent podcast. It's the episodic Arthur podcast. Lucas Mancini is my guest host, who you've heard from as well. Hey, Lucas. Hey. So today we're diving into another pair of stories, Arthur stories. Uh, and uh, very interested to get your thoughts and feelings and observations on this one. No emails this week, so we're just going to jump right in. Well, let's just kick this off with sometimes we like watch these episodes and the timing and how they relate to what's going on in real life is uncanny. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that Roger Moore oh, passed that, away yes. yesterday oh my goodness. and the episode we're watching is a James Bond parody is downright it's almost creepy i mean i could it was it got me thinking a lot more about roger moore than i expected to Mm. uh in more ways than one so it was kind of an apt thing uh, especially because our outlet is arthur so what a better set off send off to talk about roger moore than to have a james bond parody arthur episode but the coincidence was just kind of crazy you're right I, i i made that note too it's one of my first one of my first ones here so uh the episode we're talking about here is arthur makes a movie and it starts off with arthur at the movie theater with his family watching the coming attractions and he's watching a trailer for the upcoming james hound movie and of course take off of the of the james bond series of films uh yeah so uh veteran bond actor roger moore uh, he was in the most James Bond films, seven of them, and he passed away this week at the age of 89. Uh, yeah, no, I immediately thought of like, wow, that is that is really strange that we happened to do this episode. We can't we can't um, we can't line up the seasons correctly, like Halloween or Christmas, but no. we uh, we line up the de- the the deaths of one of the most famous James Bonds out there. Yeah. So I, th- I thought that was very interesting. Uh, James Hound, of course, I, I was kind of hoping that maybe the James Hound actor would be like a parody of 
uh, well, I guess I guess Brosnan would have been the one at the time of uh, this this uh, episode airing. I thought maybe it'd be like you know uh, an Irish uh, setter of some type, perhaps, mm-hmm. or maybe just go with the obvious, you know, Sean Connery takeoff. He seems to be just generic actor man. Actor yeah. dog. I don't really remember the inflection. I know he's got a very like. It's it's and it's, it's not, almost Bionic Bunny esque. It's not like, even. I'm James Hound. Yeah, it's not even uh, like British or anything. It's just kind of straight up like the name is Hound, James Hound, like a really real suave kind of thing. Um, I thought that uh, th- so this trailer for James Hound is you know Arthur talking about you know the things he loves to see in movies like action, uh, like this is ba- car chases. That's car the, the chases. first thing he lists is car chases, and I'm like Arthur. You wait a decade, and I got a series for you. <laughs> Let me tell you, the Fast and the Furious. That's right. What would be what would be the Arthurized version of Dominic Toretto and his family? Dom, Dominic Turtletto. Oh yikes! No, because I guess it's ironic because turtles are slow, and he's very very fast. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see uh, Francine being a Michelle Rodriguez stand-in. Maybe yes. that's maybe that's our casting for the Arthur live-action movie. Oh, Michelle Rodriguez can play adult Francine. I like that a lot. I think that works. Francine is Michelle Rodriguez. Write it down. That's more of the the Wizard Magazine Arthur fan casting. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so Arthur talking about like car chases and uh, you know villains and your standard James Bond fare. I thought that the James Hound, the simulation of James Bond, was actually pretty close, as close as a as a, a children's cartoon, like an educational children's cartoon, can get to showing James Bond, which you know can get pretty violent and sexual at times. But uh, you know, it was kind of like a you know a very tame fight, but a mm. rollicking like motorcycle chase. I thought it captured the spirit of it pretty well. Oh, for sure. Maybe it's- some of the, maybe some of the older Bonds. If you take out some of the horrendous misogyny, uh, all the all yeah, all the hitting women, jeez, uh, but all the like villain with the eye patch stuff. That's like a very direct mm-hmm. homage to a specific era of James Bond. So. I, I, I want to point out here the uh, you know Arthur names like the villain who wants to take over the world, and it's this character model of just like you know kind of the standard bear, I guess. Yeah. And he's got kind of the villainous mustache. And I loved the reading here of this line, just like, and when I control the salt mines, <laughs> everyone will bow down to me. <laughs> really they, they, there's multiple points in this episode where they mentioned plot lines of the actual James uh, Hound movies. And it, out of context, it sounds like absolute nonsense. Although, too, I could see one of the older James Bond movies being like, I've taken over the salt mines. Sure, but then eventually Brain's talking about there's a scene where James Hound emails himself. Oh, we'll get into that. (laughs) Don't worry, I wrote that down. (laughs) What I also wrote down is this seems to be the first Arthur appearance, but not the last, of President Bill Clinton. I wrote that down too. This is our first authorized President Bill Clinton. They could have had a fake president because it's in a fake movie within a TV show. Yeah. But some voice actor was like, "Oh, guys, I do a great slick Willie. Well, yeah, he, I I got to do this because it, it's totally someone doing the voice. It's straight well, up Bill Clinton. I mean, he looks exactly like Bill <laughs> the Bill Clinton that exists in the Arthur universe. So maybe they just got him for like a quick cameo, and it's just him with no salt on his fries, just like these fries are tasteless. We've got to do." something. I'm glad you took the took the plunge there and attempted it because I was for a second I was like am I going to do a Bill Clinton well, right now? We'll see the problem. Mm. We'll see the problem is is that like my Bill Clinton and I'll, with a lot of my impressions is kind of an impression of an impression. One of my yeah. one of my favorite podcasts I listen to We Hate Movies has a tremendous Bill Clinton impression that's not really accurate but it is very funny. Uh, so that's kind of where I where I go with that. Uh, anyway, Arthur is all jazzed up for the new James Hound movie, and uh, but unfortunately, it's PG thirteen. Yeah. So he can't go to see it for five more years. <laughs> that's right. I love that line from Arthur's dad. Only five more years, Arthur. That's right. Uh, and then the movie that they're actually there to see is DW's pick. It's called Kitty Come Home. This happened to me, uh, I might have told this story before, but I'm not sure on the podcast, mm-hmm. uh, where a friend of mine and myself wanted to go see Cloverfield. But we wanted, I was actually like 14 at the time, but we wanted to cheap out and get the children's passes. So oh. we bought the children's passes. And the guy was like, you guys can't see Cloverfield. These are kids' passes. And so we went to go see The Bucket List in theaters oh. instead. <laughs> Yuck. Yeah, it goes, no, no. You should, that, was, that, was a, that was a, it was crazy. I remember 
Like just purely speaking on Cloverfield, I remember. I thought you were gonna say the but you're like man, <laughs> the dude Lewis. got buried in a coffee tin on Mount Kilimanjaro. That's I'm wild. Gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna tell you this: we never, you've never seen Jack Nicholson and Morgan Freeman team up before or since. <laughs> it's a landmark <laughs> with seen, the with the guy from Will and Grace. I've seen that movie maybe like four times. <laughs> because I saw. <laughs> It was like on TV once. I saw it that one time I was forced to see it in the theater. And then once they showed it to my class in like high school. Oh, so I've seen the bucket list way more times than oh, anyone should. Man. It's not that it's bad. It's just like straight up. It's, that's a movie for old by old people for old people. I shouldn't say that. Ron yeah. Howard's not that old. But no. it's it's a. Uh, you know, that movie's got one gear. That's a Ron Howard joint? I yeah, I, it's a Ron Howard movie. Sorry, what I wanted to get to is that uh, when my buddy and I, I, wa- I forget what movie we would have been watching in like 2008, and then the Cloverfield trailer came out. This was before, <laughs> this was before like YouTube, it was, like YouTube was around, but it wasn't so much a thing that it is today. And it, was, and it really was kind of the last instance of like, you know, the Cloverfield trailer where it's like the party and then the Statue of Liberty gets thrown. And then like, there's no title or anything, just a date. And we, me and my buddy kind of look at each other and like, we're going to see that. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, we are. And then seeing Cloverfield in theaters was really interesting because that was genuinely something where you didn't really know where it was going. Mm, yeah, that's a really fun movie to watch once. Yeah. And then you watch it again. You're like, oh, this movie. You kind of yeah, you kind of don't need it's, to see it it's, twice. Yeah. It's totally it's yeah, it's no, it's fine if you see it once. Anyway, that's just what that reminded me of. Uh, and uh, okay, let's get back to this episode here. Right, right, quick. Cloverfield Lane. Oh, Ten Cloverfield Lane. Great movie. Solid movie. Great movie. So Arthur's later talking about Kitty come home to his friends as they get some ice cream. It's about a girl who loses her cat and it <laughs> finds its way home. Big whoop. And then uh, I just got to say it. Take a drink. Animal hierarchy. The cat lost her friends. Is this an anthropomorphic cat or is this yeah. like a not anthropomorphic yeah. cat? Yeah, gotta moving k- on. Got to kiss that ring. Uh, so, the, Brain and Buster. This is Brain Buster and Francine. Uh, they're talking about the new James Hound movie. Uh, such inventions in the movie, like uh, he has a cat that turns itself into a boat. I just had felt I had to mention that's like some my neighbor Totoro stuff. Oh yeah, cat boat. And then, uh, and then this is where Brain says, in the conclusion, he emails himself to the bad guy. Yeah, okay. So it's like Lawnmower Man. <laughs> so it's real Pierce Brosnan territory. Yeah, I guess. I, I haven't seen a lot. I've only seen The Golden Eye. I haven't seen the other Pierce Brosnan movies, which I'm to understand mm. for good reason. You know what? I've seen almost every one of the Pierce Brosnans except Golden Eye. What? I know. I just haven't gotten around to it. I've seen bits and pieces. You're of right it. in the age group. You're a little bit older than me, though. So, like, yeah. Pierce Brosnan's your James Bond, I would assume. I guess so. I don't really have. I haven't really seen too many James Bond movies. Like, same here. I, my, I'm feeling like trying to talk about it now. Like, I've seen, I've seen a the, bunch of the Sean Connery ones. Okay. And I've seen all the Daniel Craig ones, and that's pretty much it. Like I haven't seen any of the the many in betweens. I saw all the I've seen all the Daniel Craig ones. I've seen two Brosnans, and that's it. I like, and I oh no, Sean Connery. No, right? actually, I mean because all the misogyny, I guess. Yeah, no, no, it's no, no, it's yeah, not no, that. No. I do want to get around and like try and watch them all one day. It just hasn't hasn't happened. Uh, but of course, they're lamenting the fact that they've seen this all in the commercial. The commercials, they can't actually go see the movie. Uh, and then they run into Muffy, who has herself a video camera. Now, uh, before we get into this video camera here, I will note that we have another wacky Buster ice cream flavor, which uh, Muffy identifies as a Ranchero Sunday. So what it looks to be is a, a, a giant cold heaping helping of salsa with like green peppers and tortilla chips on it. Okay. And is that all that's on it, or is there it, also ice cream? Well, I think the ice cream is like salsa flavored. Oh. I'd try. Okay, I'd give mm, it a shot. Yeah, I mean, more so than hey, more so than what the the one with the chicken foot sticking that's out true. of it. That's that's it's a pretty low bar, but more so than cucumber crunch, maybe. Oh, I don't know about that. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm cucumber <laughs> crunch defense squad. So Muffy has this late 90s video camera and it's yes. just so so funny to see how it's it's all it's all changed man because this is this is a real two-hander she's got here and the um the, 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 yeah, the, yeah the lens is like it looks like a gun it's like the camera david lynch filmed inland empire on like <laughs> it's got like all these bells and whistles on it and it's huge like i said it almost looks like a bit of a bit of a telescope uh so muffy is desperately looking for things to film like she's filming the garbage 
and then gets a little bit too close to Buster's Ranchero Sunday. I didn't think about this at the time, but it's like it's almost like American Beauty-esque the way she's trying to film the garbage. Right. Sometimes there's so much money in the world. I feel like I can't take it. <laughs> Arthur gets an idea for what they can film. And um, this, ne- this next little sequence here, this next couple of minutes is very interesting. It, and I found it was true to life because Arthur's idea is, a, is to create their own, like, essentially a James Hound fan film. Arthur invented Sweeting. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because in the uh, in in his imagination, it's believably low budget where it's like, you know, they're filming around their neighborhood with themselves, but the, like the costumes and the vehicles look pretty cool. And so it's basically Arthur in a motorcycle chase with the brain and Buster as like the, the enemies and uh, Arthur playing James Hound. But once they, you know, actually get the props together, get the cast and everything, it's just like, it's never going to live up to like the disparity between Arthur's imagination and real life, like really, really resonated with me because I'm the type of person who really has those like big ideas. And then, you know, I'm disappointed when, you know, due to mostly budgetary and time reasons, it never really pans out the way that I wanted to. This felt so true to life for me because I had a friend who also filmed his own James uh, Bond adjacent film series back when we were little kids called James Blonde Mm. because his name was actually James, but he was blonde. And so Ah, I think I might know who you're talking uh, about. Uh, and so there was a multi-installment uh, series filmed on probably a similarly poor DV camera mm. uh, entitled James Blonde. So this was all of this stuff was like watching a cartoon of myself many, <laughs> many years ago. Well, and uh, I mean, everybody's got to start somewhere. And uh, if this James Blonde is who I believe him to be, he ended up becoming a pretty decent filmmaker. So this is them trying to film the motorcycle chase, you know, and they've got all these like ramshackle costumes. Arthur's got like a... Uh, a blazer and Francine gives him a red and white polka dot bow tie instead of a black one. Uh, Brain's like wearing a, a robe of some sort. Buster's just like wearing a bandana and like a toque. Uh, and just uh, just filming this chase scene. So Arthur's trying to get the shot where he uses a smoke screen, which he uses. He just points a bottle of baby powder behind him and it ends up getting in his face and he crashes. Thankfully not breaking anything because that's probably where they would end for the day. If he ended up hurting himself. So that was Arthur's idea. It didn't exactly pan out. Uh, we go next to Buster's idea, which is definitely not in the budget. And this oh, is, my goodness. This, this, is, a, this, this, this is terrific. If, this was the, like the one thing I had remembered as a kid from this episode, because how could you forget this sequence? Mm-hmm. This might be the craziest thing we've seen on Arthur yet. Like It's out there. Uh, it's up there with like Arthur imagining himself being put to death. In a, <laughs> that was like episode two, it if was, you remember it was properly. Ve- it was very early, yeah. That, that really really came out of nowhere and surprised me <laughs> but this this might be like the most visceral and vi- like implied violence we've we've seen on Arthur well i'm telling you so <laughs> so buster sets it up that the that the james hound villain is on a spaceship that's shaped like a giant crab and buster envisions himself as the villain he's dressed in what looks like basically a either either a shirt and pants or like a onesie that's basically looks like it's made out of seaweed and he has a a claw, like a metal claw, instead of a right hand. He and looks an, like and, one, an, and an eye patch. He looks like one of the the Bizarro crew members from that one episode of C Lab, uh, twenty twenty one. I was gonna say he kind of looked like if uh, if if Big Boss got tangled up in some uh, kelp, <laughs> you know, with my fish hypnotic ray, the entire world will be in the palm of my. And so his whole idea is the fish hypnotic ray. And to be honest with you, this is this is kind of scary. Like, for, no, I mean, I mean, not really. But like, if you're a kid, this is pretty freaky. Like, I, I'll say as an adult, it's kind of freaky. Like, it's all in the the audio delivery and the way they animate the fish. Like, there's a this could be way goofier than they they play it totally straight. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's basically Captain Chris station as his name is firing a laser down into the ocean all of the all of the fish raise their heads above the water and these aren't like arthurized fish they're like drawn to life yeah. fish fish and like fish as animals and they begin to chant we must eat the land people and they're all in unison we and their voices must eat the land people their voices are like pitched up a little bit too yeah like, we must eat the land and then they people. start walking on land <laughs> 
and attacking people. Well, the, I mean, attacking people off screen, but they're like menacingly walking towards. You know what? Like, so we've had a uh, we've struck viral gold on at ECL podcast with a recent uh, comparison of uh, a uh, uh, an image of Arthur to Junji Ito. Yeah. Speaking of Junji Ito, this is just like his manga slash anime Gyo. Yeah. Where the uh, where f- I, I forget the reason, but uh, fish essentially gain legs and the ability to walk on land and they attack people. And there's like these horrifying images of like a shark with legs chasing people. It's it's scary as hell. <laughs> like it creeps me out. Anyway, this just reminded me of Gyo a lot. Uh, Junji Ito at it once again. Arthur breaks into his uh, into his um, his crab fortress and, you know, with the classic how good to see you. Let me give you a hug. And then like octopus, mechanical octopus arms just come out. Arthur breaks glass in case of trident and <laughs> tangles them up and they explode. And then Buster starts to get a little manic because he says like, but then the evil genius escapes into a supersonic jet into another space station that's shaped like a giant clam. And that's just, right. We cut back to reality and it's Buster telling the story of this, this situation and he's kind of going off the rails. And uh, yeah, so so they have to remind him that just like they would never have the money to do that. But they can make a supersonic jet, which uh, Brain is able to make Frankenstein this together out of paper, markers, and spray paint. Like it's a pretty good looking jet. It looks like a real toy. I gotta be, I gotta be. Uh, but of course, they try to film it with them doing like the doing those sound effects off camera, but then it gets attacked by Pal. Buster really defeated here. Not only does he not have his idea, but you know, Pal attacks the jet, and it just cuts to Buster, and he goes, woof, woof. <laughs> I wrote that down, just, too. Just deflated. Uh, so they decide that they can't do that. Their next idea is actually the brains, and uh, we get another situation that is James Bond adjacent because uh, brains thinking of the part in James Hound where the computer wizard saves the day, and it's an obvious analog to Q, but instead it's IQ. And it's a it's a cut to an imaginary film where, you know, the brain's like trying to stop a missile from hitting the White House, kind of like the ending of uh, the second half, the second part of the Digimon movie where they're trying to oh, stop the missile from, okay. hitting, from yeah, hitting Tokyo. Sure. And is he's trying to hack into it or whatever. And anyways, he stops the missile right like the missile breaks in midair as it's about to. Well, hit the so White House. he has to he's got the code almost all typed in, but he knows the last digits either a number one. Or a number two. See, what I liked here is that in the in his imagination, you know, brain is uh, re- reading this very confidently. Just like, I, I I wrote this down too. This, yeah, yeah. this is my favorite detail. This so it's, it's just like according to my calculations, the last digit in the sequence is a one or a two. But which is it? One or a two? Like just a very a very good yeah. read. And then essentially, once we're out of the uh, um, imagination, then they're trying to do it in real life. They're at the but library. They're at the library, just pretending to hack into a computer. But since they're kids and they're not professional actors, their delivery is very stilted. So brains just like according to my calculations, the missile will hit Earth in ten seconds. Yeah, I love that detail. Yeah, no, that was that was very clever. Brain accidentally ends up uh, hacking into the library's light system and shuts it down. I guess this was down. before you could just go to that website that made it look like you were hacking if you <laughs> typed out the keyboard. There's such a that exists. Yeah, it's just like a big black screen, and then green text will show up if you type on the keyboard. It's like, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. That's fun. Uh, <laughs> I kind of want to do that. Uh, so the you know they get shown out of the library, and then finally, uh, Francine's try- been trying to suggest suggest an idea of hers, which is to focus on the more romantic aspect of James which Hound. Seems a little bit out of character for Francine. Mm. I don't know. Maybe they're trying to add depth to her, but she was the one who was. Uh, I, I don't know. She, the way that she's been characterized so far, it it's weird that she's like, I want to have the romantic love scene. That's like the one that yeah. I, I see Francine more as a heroine herself. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, for real. But I Jane guess, Bond, yeah. Jane Jane Hound. But there wasn't really too much room for that in James Hound movies in mm-hmm. the '90s, unfortunately. Uh, so her idea is, you know, the one where James Hound rescues the beautiful lady and they gaze into each other's eyes. Mm. So she's very insistent on this one. So it's m- them doing it in Muffy's pool. 
and you know Arthur is going to oh, save her. round of applause because we have a returning character everybody's favorite is back Sharky Sharky I didn't, e- I didn't even put that together yay it's like Kramer coming back in it's like hey it's Sharky yeah <laughs> yeah so Sharky is the stunt shark that Arthur is going to save Francine from um, I'm a, I will note here that Buster does his best simulacrum of the Captain Crustacean outfit it doesn't look too far off from his imagination. It's true. Where did he get that claw? I think, well, I think it's... It's like an oven mitt or yeah. something. And, I mean, and, and it's like he's wearing a green sweater with, like, leaves on it, <laughs> which is kind of funny. But, I mean, the, he's right on with the eye patch, and, I mean, he looks fine. Uh, so the whole thing is, you know, Arthur just just essentially deflating Sharky and uh, Francine kind of delivering hers, I guess, her lines the best. It's it's very dramatic, but yeah. you know it's it's got some spirit into it. Just like I'm doomed, who will save me? You know, Arthur actually has a really money line here. Just like, you know, she's like, "How can I ever repay you?" And he goes, "One look into those eyes is worth all the money in the world." And then he immediately is like, "I can't believe I just said that." Uh, DW's got a great line where she says, "Remember, if they show it in the movie theaters, Sharky gets some of the money." Mm. DW makes a solid agent. She's always looking out for her client. That's Make right. sure that Sharky gets those sweet royalties. Oh, I neglected to mention, uh, you know, in the scenes where Muffy is holding up the camera, the the screen wobble is maddening. This oh, is, I didn't notice this at all. This is this is like, this is nearly at you know found footage levels. It's oh, it's, it's could it's you real say terrible. you could say it's at Cloverfield levels yeah. to bring it back around for real. Uh, just you know something that if you are not a fan of those types of movies will bother you just slightly enough but it's not really there for too much they're very happy with the way that this went you know everybody kind of did their best and it's the clo- as Francine says the closest to a James Hound movie that they were realistically going to get Muffy kind of not realizing if she recorded it or not and then the tape falls into the pool as she accidentally ejects it. Yeah, she presses all the buttons on the camera. It, like, zooms in and unzooms. A tripod yeah. comes out from the bottom of the camera. It's an automatic tripod. That's not real. No, I it's I want to point that out. That doesn't exist. <laughs> no way. Um, and, then, and, and then, like, the uh, the lens, like, spins. So, like, it turns out they weren't sure which scenes Buffy was even recording at all. She mm-hmm. doesn't know how to use it. But eventually they do get a tape of something together that they're showing to themselves. It's cast screening along with Prunella. Which I gotta ask. I know they had to cut this out because it's a children's TV show. But as someone who used to make amateur films with my friends at this age, who edited this and with what means? Because it's it's not like mm. it's not like it's just a bunch of footage back to back to back. It's like they would have had to have one of those old like videotape things video, where you put two like tapes. Vi- yeah, video decks. Yeah, like, yeah, in, the, yeah, like yeah. in the ring. Video lunchbox or whatever it's called. Yeah. Uh, Again, I'm thinking about this way too much. I, I, they don't need to explain. You know it. what? I think that we can just assume that Muffy paid somebody to do it. Yeah, or, she shipped or, it off to an editing house in Vancouver to be edited like Suicide Squad. <laughs> and they were like, "We could, hey, we made something out of Suicide Squad. We could edit this together." I was wondering why all of those really out of place songs were in that <laughs> were in that reel. That why why did reel? all those backstory seeds with Harley Quinn get edited into the seeds with Arthur? They what? seemed like they were supposed to be seeds. But they were just kind of like flashbacks with some weird music and filters put over it. You know, I don't know. I, you know, I really expected Jared Leto to be in more of that James Hound movie. Uh, yeah, but, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. I'm kind of happy he wasn't. Though. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I ain't mad at it. So it's it's not really much of anything. It's just kind of a collection of their short scenes. Like <laughs> it's more mo- like a jackass movie. Yeah, it's, it kind of is because <laughs> it's just kind of chopped up and like not really resembling a story. And Prunella is very critical of it at yeah, first. Yeah, Prunella sucks. What a surprise. <laughs> Prunella's like, oh, this isn't James Hound. Yeah, Prunella. Oh, oh, you're. She redeems herself like moments later, but at first I'm like, oh, you, you're the worst. Yeah, she's not really, (laughs) she's not not really appreciating the spirit of this. And then her one bit of criticism causes this entire screening to break down into (laughs) infighting, which again, very true. If you've ever made films with your friends and no one's getting paid, and you realize, oh, this is a lot of work and it's going to take all day, people turn on each other real quick. Well, yeah, and it's and especially because they were trying to take it somewhat seriously. Like if you're not taking it seriously, then you know whatever. Uh, but you're you're not you're not wrong about that. Um, but then eventually it starts to turn around, and Prunella actually starts to enjoy it because it becomes basically more of a blooper reel. Mm. Uh, which uh, which I mean, it's like the end of Cannibal Run. Yeah, uh, or Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, this kind of reminded me of my favorite parts of my 
I'm going to use a lot of quotations here, my film career, which is essentially making movies for uh, film and video 12 in grade 12. And, uh, you know, my friends and I kind of, you know, making a couple movies that we look back on. We, we like we did that at we did that at New Year's. We got super drunk and we like watched a couple of these and we're just like, oh, and, and the really the best part of it is is getting everybody together and remembering like it's like, oh, right. I remember when we did this shot, we yeah. did like we did this or like you guys were you know trying to make me laugh off camera or this, this and this. And it's just it's just a fun way of reliving uh, memories. And oh. Instead of, you know, an actual movie. I couldn't agree more. My uh, friend of mine still has the VHS tape that has the trilogy of films we made where we put his guinea pig in the Christmas village and pretended it was giant. <laughs> uh, Attack of the Giant Spig, Spig the Eighth Wonder of the World, and then Cookerzilla, which is the one where we got the cat to try and fight the guinea pig, but they both just kind of sat down across from each other. So I remember oh, there's good. one line where it's like, he's hitting him with his invisible laser eyes. So you know, filmmaking you gotta, you gotta, you gotta Roll with make the punches. do with what you got. Yeah, you exactly. Gotta, you gotta, you gotta work it's, with. It's just like Robert Rodriguez said in the Guerrilla Filmmaker book. You gotta, you gotta make do with what you have. You gotta, you gotta work with troublesome talent. <laughs> the, and so at the end of it all, they end up having fun rewatching their stuff. And you know, the end of the end of the episode is Prunella saying it wasn't like James Hound. It was much better. It's like okay, you, then, you won me over, Prunella. You actually liked it. Good. Something so, constructive. So they're a little bit, you know, emboldened by their. Uh, by the response there. And now a word from us kids. And now a word from us kids. Starring a young Harmony Corinne. <laughs> this kid is, is he's, uh, I wonder if he ever went on to do any like filmmaking or anything creative. I wonder if they told him to wear that turtleneck <laughs> or that's just what he had on that day. I'd believe because, either. Because, yeah, either way, either the producers were like, oh, this is going to be the director. I can tell already. This, or this kid looks like he, <laughs> he looks like he's auditioning for Arnold in the Magic School Bus. It's true. He, he does look, look like live action they Arnold. Re, they look really close. Anyway, it's all about kids. Kids' parents let him watch way too many Wes Anderson movies. <laughs> well, there weren't that many at that time. Mm. So the whole thing is about them, the you know third grade class creating a movie. And it's based around the story of the three Billy Goats Gruff, and essentially. We don't get too much into the filming side of it, but we get to see the finished product. We do. There is a few staged sequences where it's like the kids are putting together the script. It's my favorite part of this whole thing was you could tell that this is staged so much. Right. Because but like a girl's holding up a piece of paper and then the Harmony Corinne kids looking over his shoulder, her shoulder, stroking his chin going, yeah, I, I like that. That's good. Yeah, That's because, really good. Yeah, because he's like, you have to go to your director and they have to approve the script. She's reading it. I like it. Okay. <laughs> anyway, the story of the three Billy Goats Gruff, uh, talking about modernizing a little bit because they have to, uh, the three Billy Goats have to cross a stretch of road and get past a troll. And this one actually ends up being kind of violent. <laughs> like, what it is is that each of the three Billy Goats tries to cross the street and then in a relatively bloodless way, the the kid who's playing the troll bites their heads off and they simulate by like pulling their shirts up to their tops of their heads but they essentially just like yeah he bit their heads off and that's they don't have heads anymore like yeah, that's that, kind of that's kind of messed up I think that upset me when I was watching it as a kid looking back on it now the best part about this whole thing is the foley work all of the sound effects and the music in this film are made with people's mouths like yeah, it's it, that one song from little big planet or something yeah or it's, it's like an episode of Doug or something <laughs> exactly and yes it's like Doug funny and then finally the kid playing the troll gets run over and beheaded by a car <laughs> which is like okay that didn't have anything to do with anything you got to learn about i don't know what's how your director approved this script this, this doesn't have anything to do with anything it's lynchian it's or it's it's, it's it, he's an auteur you know it's art house <laughs> and then finally i love this line uh, the three billy goats could still eat by taking grass and shoving it down their esophaguses <laughs> Wow, this is, was a dark chapter in this director's life. The body horror. Yeah. And now, back to okay, let's get to the second story in our episode today. It is Go to Your Room, DW. Uh, so DW-centric episode, of course. Uh, Arthur's watching TV in the living room. This isn't actually, you know, an introduction, a cold open. This is actually just kind of setting up the story through just storytelling. Uh DW is playing with her dolls like a like a bride and groom doll, but kind of 
not 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 as bride and groom necessarily. And uh, Kate's with her on the floor, and she keeps trying to, you know, t- touch DW's toys, and she's very much not having it. Uh, DW, her struggling with Kate, the doll's head comes off, and DW reacts as DW does yeah. quite dramatically. Uh, so the mom puts her head back on, reminds her, like, you know, Kate's Kate's a baby. Uh, you know, I'm not on anybody's side because DW is like, you're always taking her side. Just like, Kate's a baby, dude. And DW is like, but she killed Tiffany. Yes. Which reminds me of that one vine where the little girl's got the doll and she's like, Miss Keisha, Miss Keisha. Oh, my gosh. She did. <laughs> I've never <laughs> seen that one. Uh <laughs> The, also, another through line of this episode that's not really anything is Arthur is desperately trying to watch this Bionic Bunny program that's on TV. And, like, in this one, he's, like, you know, like, moving around mom just to make sure that his eyes never leave the TV. My favorite thing about DW solo episodes are the role that Arthur plays in them. How he's just kind of this, like, comedic side character. It comes back later on in DW's imagination Oh, man, Arthur, does it. But I love the role that Arthur plays in, like, DW episodes. It's very very much a side character. In fact, I think it kind of fleshes him out a little more because we get to see his more... Um, just relaxed Arthur. Yeah, his relaxed. Like, he's not trying to be a character. He's just kind of, like, being a normal kid. Yeah, for sure. Like, he's just trying to watch the show, which I guarantee you I've done the, you know, ducking around a parent <laughs> trying to keep your eyes on the TV. Mom tells... DW, she needs to be, you know, nicer to Kate. Uh, There's a great one here. DW is still quite angry with Kate, and Mom leaves the room, and Kate just kind of gurgles at her, and she just goes, be quiet, you. (laughs) And uh, so she's trying to very sternly tell Kate uh, that, you know, the toys are hers, but, you know, Kate, again, Kate's a baby. That's right. DW doesn't really understand this. And Kate, again, like, kind of touches a toy and DW like really harshly like just takes the toy back and she says just get that back or I'll pinch you did she say pinch you or I thought she said bite you no pinch oh okay that's that's far less dramatic than yeah but no still that's really not something to do and then that is when DW gets sent to her room I think this is the first appearance of her full name Dora Winifred Reed oh I didn't catch on I to that I think I'm not certain but I'm pretty sure uh, yeah, so Dora Winifred Reed, go to your room, and D.W. just, but what did I do? <laughs> so D.W. gets sent to her room. We even, as the episode yes. begins. Smash cut. Smash cut to D.W. She's, like, holding onto Kate's crib like prison bars. And th- this is kind of when I, like, I didn't remember this episode super well, but kind of from this opening little bit here from D.W., I could kind of tell, I think we're in for something special here. I, I, I thought that to myself, too, because I always like stories like, for lack of a better example, like Saw or something, where <laughs> Saw One, where the, where the majority of it takes place in one location. Twelve Angry Men, better example. Uh, like a bunch of people in one room, and yeah. that's like the whole story. So I was like, I could tell. I think this whole episode is pretty much going to be DW and Kate's room for the majority of this time out. <laughs> maybe I maybe would have said Cube, but uh, I guess that's kind of along the same lines as as, as uh, Saw. Uh, uh, also, mm-hmm. this might be the first real time Arthur episode. I didn't time it to be exact, but it's as close to a real time Arthur. You know episode what? It's you know what? It's close enough. I did I did check. It's. Not quite, but close enough. I expected yeah. them to fudge it a little yeah. bit, but still, twenty four s. It's it's not it's not bad. Like it's it, like I say, pretty close. It's a fun concept either way. <laughs> um, so DW, the main dialogue here is going to be taking place with Nadine throughout the episode, and you know. Uh, Nadine is kind of always trying to be the you know the pacifier uh, between DW's anger at Kate, and it's just a great line here. Just it's all because of that that. Baby. <laughs> the just, baby is a slur. It keeps coming back. Yeah. It's the show's favorite thing. Uh, so, um, you know, Nadine is trying to play devil's advocate against, you know, DW, which is funny because it's DW's imaginary friend. Mm. Uh, but that, that kind of comes into play a little bit later. So <laughs> mom comes into the room and she says, is it time yet? Am I free? <laughs> Uh, so DW just begins getting desperate, just like, what if you forget about me in here? I could starve to death. <laughs> just, we get so many great lines like this. So the, so the catch of the episode is that mom sets an alarm for, it's 4.30 now. When the clock says 4.40, you can come downstairs. We get an excellent DW 
dr- just dr- drama queen DW here. Or just like, you don't love me. You only love Kate and Arthur and Daddy and Pal <laughs> and Aunt Lucy. And like just crying into her pillow and then immediately stopping. Uh, DW, God, DW <laughs> was a tour de force this whole episode. Yes. She carries the whole thing so well. DW is um, easily able to I will say it's made all the more funny that it's a 10 minute time limit. Yes, it's uh, so inconsequential. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I, I you know what? I can relate. Like as a kid, uh, you know, I, I got, in, I was a little bit of a, a troublemaker when I was really young. Okay. But my parents never punished me physically or anything like that because mm-hmm. I hated timeouts so much. I would just get so bored mm-hmm. staring in the corner. I hated it. Hate, 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 hated it. I would get so bored. So I could totally, totally like empathize with DW. Like even ten minutes back then. Staring in that corner, like, it sucked. I just remember it just was so bad. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so, the, like, the, not even right away, you know, uh, it's 4.31. DW's watching the clock, and she goes up It's to, not even 4.31. It's like she's waiting for the 4.30 to change to yes, 1. The, right. first, the first minute has not yet gone by. So she, so she goes up to the clock, and she's just like, Nadine, it's not moving. <laughs> And then she runs out of her room and she discovers that time has stopped. Oh, the sequence is so great. She's running around like she's the Flash. <laughs> it's so good. So she's going around. Everybody is frozen in time. Like she, Arthur's about, like in mid about to eat a cookie. She just takes it out of his hand, gives it a bite. This and, the, uh, the music from the medieval restaurant in last episode is yeah, playing. Yeah, it's kind uh, of the circus-y so music. So it's just this wacky thing of like, it's... Basically, any flash thing where it's like, oh, I can mess with people while they're like not moving. DW does all of that stuff. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> uh, so she's kind of like, you know, skipping around as like mom and mom's feeding Kate and all that sort of stuff. She grabs Pal and then bring, like runs him all the way over to the Tibbles place and leaves him there. <laughs> Just like you live with the Tibbles now. Like that's <laughs> that's kind of horrifying. And then she makes fun of the Tibbles while time is stopped. She says, "You booby-faced baloney heads." Wow. Wow, savagery. But then it turns out DW was in the living room the whole time. She was just imagine, or just or in the hallway. She was just imagining it. Uh, she tries to, she tries to tell Dad. She's just like, it's like the clock, the, like the clock wasn't going in time stop, and I was trying to tell you. And then, and then Dad says, "Nice try, DW." And now, which I was like, "No, it's not a nice try. Like what? Like no, it's not." I believe, I believe he's being sarcastic. Yeah, and but still, but anyway, so she goes back, and it's. Only 4.34. Will this never end? <laughs> well, uh, we're almost halfway there. <laughs> like, really? Like, there's only 60% left, but I, I digress. It's, it's, like that li- it's like that line from Community. The fact, the fact that so little is on the line just makes it somehow even more scary. <laughs> uh, and DW... She then starts to really feel sorry for herself and just like, you don't know how <laughs> she's they going che- through like the five stages of grief. <laughs> it's like, you don't know, you don't know how bad it is, Nadine. They treat me like a slave around here. <laughs> uh, and then she goes back to this obviously fake flashback. And that's, that's what's so great about it. Uh, this fake flashback of her having to entertain Arthur while he was sick. And it's like her bringing him a plate of cookies. He like loudly sneezes one at her. And then he just goes, I'm ready for some cake now. <laughs> and then <laughs> the best thing is that in these flashbacks, DW is, you know, painting herself as the victim so bad. She's, she's, oh, these reads, are, these line readers are so good because she's just, she's accompanied by this sad, like, Les Miserables violin. <laughs> and she's just like, Arthur, can't I go to sleep now? <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> and the other great thing is that the rest of the family gets to, like, turn up their evilness. Oh my god. They just sound like the most callous human beings. Just like, no way. You have to entertain me all night. Do you want me to call mom? And then she starts to do, if you're happy, you know, clap your hands. And just Arthur like, you call that entertaining? <laughs> and oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Arthur demands she like tells him jokes. Yeah, tells him jokes and she tries ones, but he's heard them all and then finally just goes. Uh, I she the one of them's like knock knock. One of them is like what's black and red and, and What's black and white and red all over? Yeah. Uh, the one I wasn't familiar with was uh, the uh, what did the elephant? How do you know there's an elephant? And then Arthur cuts her off. I was like, I've never heard that one before. Uh, it's something to do with. Um, mm, I think it's like, how do you know if there's an elephant in your kitchen? There's footprints in the peanut butter, 
or something like that. Oh, that's not good. No, it's not. It's kid, kids joke. Joke book jokes we're talking oh, about here. yikes. <laughs> uh, and then just Arthur just like, go over to the wall and then stand on your head while I count to 300. Now that'll be funny. <laughs> so mean. And then, uh, you know, Nadine, as she's kind of going in and out of these fantasies, is just like, it's just like, I don't think it was that way. And she's like, whose side are you on anyway? <laughs> uh, and, then, and then we get my f- absolute favorite one. It's, you know, DW continuing to work like a slave. And th- this, is, this is a little confusing because earlier in the episode, she mentions, you know, mom only loves Aunt Lucy. Mm-hmm. But then in this flashback, she's talking about, remember Cousin Lucy's wedding. Oh, it's a continuity error. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe so. there's just two Lucys. Maybe Cousin Lucy's Aunt Lucy's daughter. Yeah. And she's named after... Aunt and Lucy. Whoever it is, uh, DW in her mind is just, you know, she had to stay behind and clean the whole house while they went to the wedding. Very Cinderella-esque. Yes. And she, again, she's, you know, dressed in these, this tattered green version of her normal clothes. And she's sweeping the chimney of soot and just like sneezing. And she just, she looks haggard. Like now, she has we're not, I'm days. not even sure if there is a chimney in the Reed household. Yeah, it's debatable for sure. And again, how I said, you know, the family has to be comically evil. This but, is how you know how evil they want Arth, uh, Arthur's mom to be portrayed in this scene. There is a sharp Dutch angle on her face mm-hmm. when she comes on screen. Well, like the camera's tilted at a 45 degree angle on her face. And again, it's, it's very jarring because uh, <laughs> the the voice actor for Mom Reed, she puts on like the evil version of Mom voice, and it's really like it catches you off guard. She's like, "Aren't you done yet? You still have the beds to make, and you haven't even started the breakfast dishes." And this the back and forth is so good. Just like, can't I go to the wedding, please? <laughs> Weddings are not for little girls. What about Kate? She's going, and this is my favorite. This is my oh favorite. My this is my favorite one of them all. Just Kate is a baby. <laughs> Besides, we like her better than you. <laughs> oh my goodness! Like this, I could see how written out this was funny, but it's all in the delivery. Oh, absolutely! It's in the delivery and the animation too. Like they make Arthur's mom's features like more angular. Like yeah. her eyes are more sharp, and her mouth's all curled up when she says, "Kate is a baby." Yeah, she just doesn't look like mom. Uh, and again. Sharp Dutch angle. Like, that was so funny. It's like, uh, anyway. Uh, and DW closes it out with, it's so sad being me. Uh, she tries to get out of it this time by just going onto the to the banister, basically, and just whining loudly. Just, mommy. And mom's just, like, not having it. Just, like, you know, basically go back to your room. She's like, that's it. I'm calling grandma. And this this kind of goes in the exact opposite way because in her mind, Grandma Thora is the nicest person in the whole family because she will defend her no matter what. So her next fantasy is of her of Grandma Thora's place. And she's fixed her a big plate of cookies and a big glass of milk. And she she's call- just shoveling cookies into her mouth. Basically. And Grandma Thora calls Dad Reed, who is her son, and just like, this is your mother. What do you mean by punishing poor little DW? Just like really laying it on thick, like just like what it's is like, it? It's like the, the like, she's an angel. Can't you see this child is perfect? It reminded me of that one uh, uh, dream sequence we had where DW was recalling Grandma Thora coming to visit, mm-hmm. and like she like hugs DW and she's like, "Oh, you're so cute." And then like Arthur My comes out, my favorite grandchild. And, and Arthur comes out and he's like a slobbering idiot. Like he's like, "Oh, Grandma mm-hmm. Thora." Hi, Grandma. Yeah, yeah, that's what he's like. <laughs> Just like sl- snotty and all. <laughs> yeah. And this is this is this is so good because you, again we talk about the role of Arthur in oh. DW episodes. Man, this is unbeatable. So like immediately, Dad is backing down on the phone. Like and then Grandma Thora says. Punish Arthur. He's the real troublemaker. And then it goes back to him. He's just like, absolutely. Yes, of course, mom. <laughs> and at this point, Arthur in the fantasy is walking into the kitchen and going to the uh, to the fridge. He's dressed like his shirt is untucked. So that's the you know symbol that he's unkempt. And he's got a ring of chocolate around his mouth. <laughs> My favorite Arthur is the Arthur that shows up in, like, DW's imagination. I can't get enough because, of it. Because I was thinking today, back from uh, the one, you know, DW gets lost when it's, like, you know, they're back at... Yes, when he when he's uh, the, the pig that looks like Arthur. Yeah, or not even the pig that looks like Arthur, but, like, the idea in DW's mind of, like, you know, grown-up Arthur is wearing the same clothes and he's eating a whole thing of cake. Or, like, Arthur is eating a small cake and, you know, mom calls him that clunky Arthur. <laughs> and in this one... <laughs> 
Arthur opens the fridge and then dad says, Arthur, go to your room and never come out. <laughs> and he announces it in such like a matter of fact way. And Arthur just kind of looks at him with his eyes wide open. It's hilarious. <laughs> I laughed so hard. I And I got an even bigger kick out of this next sequence. Uh, so DW decides that what she can do is um, escape from her room with like a packed suitcase and go to Grandma Thora's. Uh, and but they they're not sure how they're going to cross the road. Multi step plan. She's got to slide down the rain gutter. The yeah, the drain pipe. Yeah, the drain pipe. And then she's got to get across the street to call Grandma Thora on the payphone. Mm-hmm. But she she's not allowed to cross the street. So what she decides to do is she find well. This, yeah, you know, I, fantasy, I mixed the, it up. The, well, no, it's okay. But the fantasy is dependent on DW finding a quarter. Yes. And then she happens to call what appears to be an Arthur version of the cast of the sitcom Taxi. Yeah, it's like Sans. Um, that's, I was wondering, I was like, are these just direct parodies of the characters from Taxi? San, sans uh, Andy Kaufman. Yeah, no Andy Kaufman. Uh, but everybody else, it looked like, like I was the, like, like, these the, look the, like the, the guy from Taxi. Like, like, the, like main, the main guy looks and kind of sounds like Danny DeVito. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm glad you you picked up on that because I, I I wasn't confident enough to write it down. Yeah, but I was like, is this like a direct parody of the show? Because I've seen Taxi because I'm a big Andy Kaufman fan, sure. but like I'm not a big fan of the show itself. So I was like, huh. <laughs> uh, so it's DW talking to basically Arthur version of Danny DeVito, and you know just kind of giving her sob story along with a very sad violin and company, but just like this is DW, and I'm a little girl alone and forgotten. <laughs> And then eventually everybody hears the call and they're all like sobbing and then she just ends it off with, but I can't get to her house if, because I can't cross the street. <laughs> Clearly just putting it on. It's great. And then they all mobilize yeah, the cabs. I, I think they give fake Danny DeVito a line. Like he's like, don't worry, little girl. We'll Stop send right every... there, little girl. Yeah. We'll be right over. We'll send every car in our fleet or something like that. Like or he something. makes some sort of ludicrous promise. Yeah, really. So I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, but her plan is kind of squashed a little bit so she throws a suitcase out the window with like her clothes and stuff very similar to when she left home when well Kate was involved the last time with DW's baby she throws it out the window and then realizes it's pretty far over and also the drain pipe is on the other side of the house and then immediately gives up on it uh, then she hears everybody kind of laughing and having fun downstairs and she goes to look and uh, Kate's taking her first steps. Uh, Mom and dad are helping her take her first steps while Arthur is engrossed in this bionic bunny special. Uh, so Kate is t- like about to take her first step and Arthur just looks over at everybody and just goes, this is important. Bionic bunny is meeting the leader of the free world. <laughs> and I think it might be another Clinton. I, I, yeah, because, I because it's a very Southern and there's nothing we could do about it. <laughs> Anyway, very engrossed in this television show. Uh, You know, just NDW just like, they don't miss me anymore. Even Pal doesn't miss me. And then Pal just starts barking at her happily. She's just like, get away, you goofy dog. And then she has to run back upstairs or else she'll get noticed. Uh, And when she gets back into the room, she just goes, I've been away for so long. Arthur's trained that dog to attack me. Yeah. Oh, man. And just like Nadine's like, I think he was just happy to see you. Yeah. Everything DW proposes, Nadine shuts down. Like, mm-hmm. she was the one that pointed out the drain pipe's too far away. She's the one that was like, didn't you actually go to that wedding? Uh, <laughs> everything that DW tries to bring up, Nadine's got a counter she's for. She's surprisingly the voice of reason. Mm. She's the she's the side of DW's head, uh, mind that knows what she's saying isn't true. So DW, again, gets very despondent, just like, I'll never... I'll never get to have shiny braces on my teeth or see Arthur's first pimple. She'll be in here forever. But then mom brings Kate into the room and asks if DW can just watch her for a second. DW's got a great line. It's not bad enough that they punish me. Now they make me babysit the enemy. <laughs> yeah, she's really she's really against Kate. And then finally Nadine asks DW what she did that day that was so bad. And DW obviously has some mounting evidence against her. Uh, DW and Kate were out with mom on like a shopping to what looked to be all in one mart. Uh, so she's got, mom's got like the big thing of diapers in the grocery cart and DW's trying to sneak a doll in there. But Classic move. Always trying to sneak some Apple Jacks into my parents' cart. <laughs> and it went pretty similar to how this went. Well, at least with, at least with the Apple Jacks, you know, they're uh, a little bit better for you than say a doll. 
Maybe. No, I Maybe. don't know. My parents were very, fairly anti Apple Jacks. Oh. They, they were, we were a strictly a Vector or Cheerio household. Any, su- any cereal that was sugar, sugar, more sugary than that was banned. You know why? Because you could never give them a, you could never give them a, a good reason why you like it if it doesn't taste like apples. That's, oh. <laughs> hey, your dad might be in local government, but can he see why kids love the taste of oh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch? <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, it's the taste you can see. It's in my jurisdiction. (laughs) Oh, well. No, Lucas's dad. There's cinnamon sugar swirls on every bite. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Uh, So Kate kind of uh, inadvertently makes her here because, you know, she's trying to say, you know, shh. And Kate keeps going like, like just kind of imitating her. And that gets mom's attention. Then later on, DW is on one of those automatic uh, horse riding things. Like um, you put you... a coin to it, the animatronic yeah, yeah. horse. And uh, so she's pretending to lasso a cow while she's on it. Which is a funny detail because the cow was just the other animatronic thing yeah. in front of her. And no one's put a quarter in it. So it's just not moving. Yeah. Which is a fun touch. And she's just playing pretend. Uh, but Kate is very tired and uh, mom wants to take her back home for her nap. And DW's like, I'm busy. I'm rescuing a cow. Uh, just put her in the car. She can nap while I'm playing. And then mom's just like, DW, now. As she's doing this, Kate's just kind of playing in the background. She's she's very cute. And she kind of rests her head on DW's leg. And DW's just like, don't get cute. And then finally, the last thing that Kate did that was so wrong. And that the straw it, that broke the camel's back. So to speak. And it's just that DW is playing with her toys. Troll and, dolls. They, it's not even like a parody, or they change no, they anything. Look, they, it's just a, they're just troll dolls. They look, they look almost exactly the same, except their eyes aren't all weird. Uh, and but this one kind of turns DW around because she remembers it as she's playing with toys in the living room, and the, you know Kate kept stealing them. But really, it's DW who's taking all the toys for herself. And she leaving. goes, "I want that one, and that one. That one's this. That's mine. That and this one's is mine, mine, and this, this is, is mine." mine. And then finally, uh, Kate gives her uh, kind of her rattle, just, you know, I just kind of, you know, hands the rattle to her. And then that's what turns her around. She's just like, I'm the meanest sister in the whole world. Can you ever forgive me? And and, and this was this was a big all moment for me because it was really very interesting how the episode kind of built up to this revelation of, you know, DW having all of these reasons why it's okay for her to hate Kate and hate her family and be angry. And then one by one, with the help of Nadine, but really, you know, it's kind of with DW herself. She's kind of proving her own arguments false and coming to the real truth of that, well, maybe she wasn't being so great to Kate. And the way, when you frame it like that, it is very like 12 Angry Man-esque, where like she's sort of playing out all these scenarios in her head, and then Nadine is def- uh, uh, basically proving each one false mm-hmm. until DW finally accepts the real truth and that she was the one that was kind of ostracizing Kate all along and not the other way around. Mm-hmm. And then she, she just kind of comes to the conclusion on her own. I thought that was really cool how they ended up doing that. So she and Kate kind of make up. DW's punishment is over. But then she realizes she's having fun playing with Kate in her room. So she, she decides to do that until dinner, which is about an hour, an hour and 20 minutes away. And then the end of the episode is Kate fast asleep on the floor while DW is busy playing with her toys and, you know, asking her mom for five more minutes to play with Kate. All right, let's uh, take it on back to Arthur Makes a Movie. What you think? Well, there's special circumstances to how I feel about this episode twofold. One, it was fun to be nostalgic about James Bond with the recent passing of Roger Moore. Like, the timing was just too perfect. Mm -hmm. Uh, And two, I'm a sucker for anything, like, I I love the movie Be Kind Rewind. Anything that involves sweet. Know, making a low-budget version of a film that already exists because it's something me and my friends did all the time when we were kids yeah. uh, and almost exactly when it comes to James Bond parodies. So uh, as much as it's a typical ensemble episode where no one really learns a lesson and it's just kind of a bunch of vignettes of like, oh, they tried to make the scene and then they messed up or let's see what a James Bond parody looks like in this character's imagination. Uh, I had a soft spot for it and I really ended up enjoying it. Okay. And there's some moments that I really, really found like striking. For instance, the fish coming to shore to eat anybody, like the from the town of Innsmouth or something. Yeah, that's pretty. Uh, that's pretty unforgettable. Yeah, I I didn't really like it. I, I you know what I I kind of had high hopes for it because I remembered really liking it when I was a kid, and I 
and I there's I like the ideas in there of you know Arthur and his friends making a movie, and it did remind me of kind of uh, stuff from my childhood as well, or you know young adulthood. Let's say I wasn't that young, and just I, and I thought some of the situations were funny, and some of the images were striking for sure. But I felt it was kind of boring, like mm. it just kind of it, and it kind of didn't amount to much. And when I say that, it's not like you know there wasn't like a message or something. Not that there always has to be, but in the end, it was just like, yeah, they kind of made a movie and they kind of didn't and then they're just going to do it again I guess. Well, the real movie was the friends they made along the way. Sure. But I don't know. It it really didn't do much for me and in the end like I kind of there wasn't really a lot for me to latch on to. In fact, I say it's kind of boring to be honest mm. with you. You know, nothing nothing you know super bad, just not really one of that I would that I would seek out again. Now, D- go to your room DW on the other hand was something that I didn't have very high expectations for because, not because it's a DW episode, just because basically just off of my childhood memories, it's just like, oh, it's that episode where DW goes to her room for like 10 minutes and just kind of whines and then it's over. But you know what? We've said we've said it before. DW can carry the heck out of an episode, and she does. I really like this one. Um, and really, it's so it was so funny. Oh, it's so funny. Like I didn't I didn't think that it would be funny at all because, and I think that that's going to be a bit of a breaking point for people who aren't as high on DW as you and I are. We're big, sure. we're big fans of DW, and I thought that he's like because I kind of understand her character. And her being, you know, dramatic about everything, I just, I kind of saw through it immediately of just, like, she doesn't really mean it. She's just kind of angry and frustrated, and she's, because, and and honestly, like, I kind of used to do that stuff when I was a kid. I used to be like... Oh, I don't, you know, I don't think there's a kid who, like, kids by, the, in their nature are sociopaths until yeah. they reach a certain age. All you care about is, like, me, me, me. Well, like, th- it, it's, it's really summed up in when DW is like, okay, can we eat in the car while I play? Yeah. Like, she can't even come to the conclusion that, like, oh, that's probably not the best for a baby to just wait in a car while someone else is playing. But in that moment, that's all she could think about. It's like, well, I want to play. Yeah, her own fun. And, but I've definitely done the thing of just, like, my parents don't love me. I do all these chores around the oh, house. Yeah, and yeah. And so, like, so it really, it really rings true to at least some childhoods and and like again my god is it funny like oh, the voice performance here by DW's voice actor is tremendous well the whole thing it's almost like a like Shakespearean soliloquy or something <laughs> like DW's <laughs> turn to the camera and go how did look at a, this is how I feel about all this yeah uh, and so it really is almost a one girl performance absolutely uh, if, especially if you take out Nadine's input which is also by it, Nadine is basically an extension of DW, so mm-hmm. it's almost all DW, uh, which it, but it's really special for that. Yeah, and and I really ended up liking, it. and and the ending is is actually pretty heartwarming. It's DW growing as a character, like kind of coming around to her own shortcomings in uh, a really cool way. And yeah, no, I really enjoyed it more than I thought that I would. I totally, I think I basically agree with you on every point. I'll also say that I really like. Uh, how unique the format to this episode was. Mm-hmm. The fact that it almost takes place in real time is like yeah. an interesting, like they could have cheesed it and been like, all right, DW, go to your room for an hour just to make it make more sense, I guess, with reality. Yeah. But the fact that it's all that better, it's all that much better that it's only 10 minutes, the length of the episode. And like, she's four minutes in, almost halfway done, and she goes, oh, it's never gonna end. Yeah. Um, but I also, I love... I've said it before, a little preview for our year-end episodes. I like episodes that all take place in one spot, like the uh, Snowball episode, Mm -hmm. where it's sort of people trying to figure something out all in one location. I always like that concept. What in a a live-action show would be a bottle episode. Exactly. So I I got a big kick out of uh, this episode being like that as well, so I like the format. But it manages to be a tour de force from DW. Uh, I love Arthur's characterization and, by extension, DW's idea of her family. Yeah. Uh, it's just a really funny episode that holds up really well today. And we, yeah, and like when I say funny, it's not it, like when Arthur's funny. Like I'm, I'm laughing so hard I have to pause the episode. Yeah, it's great stuff. Yeah, so I would definitely recommend uh, Go to Room DW. Arthur makes a movie. I'd uh, recommend. Yeah, it. Lucas would recommend it for sure. Okay, there you go. It's another episode of Arthur in the books. Now our schedule is going to be changing a little bit. 
in the next couple of weeks, and we'll let you know about that right after we get into our plugs here. Uh, of course, we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. We're on Twitter at ECL Podcast, and I want to just uh, call everybody out here. We had uh, some interesting responses to last week's query about syrup uh, on breakfast food. I knew you guys would come through. Thank you to all the listeners who chose to be on the right side, a.k.a. my side, on the great maple syrup bacon debate y'all y'all got good taste <laughs> and thank you for representing and coming out and uh, we want to thank people who responded including Ursula underscore cat uh, Jenbury 19 our buddy at Corbin Corbon Garcia uh, and at Matt Hill 013 thanks everybody who gave their thoughts even though I largely disagreed did you get a chance to ask your girlfriend I'm very curious to see what she would say um I, I, I will. Okay. I, I, have, I didn't. That's, not, we'll continue the great maple syrup <laughs> bacon debate next episode, I guess. Absolutely. Uh, okay. And that's at ECL Podcast if you want to join in the conversation over there. Uh, we are on Tumblr, elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. Uh, if you'd like to send in an email for the podcast, well, we didn't get any this week, so we'd love to hear from you. If you haven't sent us one in a while or if you've never sent us one, uh, go to or send your email to elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Com. And finally, two ways that you can uh, listen to us. You can, uh, of course, go to soundcloud.com slash Elwood City Limits. Listen that way. Uh, or you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Elwood City Limits Podcast on iTunes. And if you do that, please leave a rating and review. We would really appreciate it on whichever version of the iTunes store that you have. Okay, so the change in our schedule is that next week, uh, it's a little bit of a week off for us. Lucas is on his way to, where did you say? To where? Vancouver. The, where, 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 in the, where the sky meets the shore. Where the ocean meets the sky. It's what it says on the Vancouver license plates. Ooh, that's, so, I like that. Yeah. So Lucas, I remember that from the Olympics. They kept saying it over. Over and over again. So Lucas is on his way to Vancouver. Also, you're taking a day trip to Seattle as well. That's right. Shout out to Seattle. I don't think that's where Elwood City is supposed to be, Washington State. I think we've established it's mm-hmm. on the East Coast. But still, any American city, it's always a fun trip for me to see all the things I don't normally see. So I'm excited. Right. So if you want to, uh, well, potentially meet Lucas Mancini <laughs> in person. Uh, oh, of course, we want... I've, we uh, decided that we want to uh, put our personal Twitters out there as well. Now, I can't promise that it'll be, you know, a laugh a minute like this podcast mostly is. But, uh, you know, I can I can vouch for Lucas's Twitter. He's got the good retweets. So if you want to follow him, he is at. That's Lu- right. I don't put my personal opinions out there that often as much as I'd like to. But, hey, if you want to see some hilarious memes about the NBA finals, hit me up on Twitter. See, my, you know what? My favorite thing is, and you, I think you did this more at the beginning when you were trying to suss out, like, the things that I liked. And I would, like, I would put something out there like, uh, it's like, oh man, Kendrick Lamar is like the best rapper alive or something like that. And you'd be like, Will, have you heard of Lil Yachty? <laughs> or like, I would be like, yo, I love this. And you're like, Will, have you ever seen this? And I th- that's just pretty much any, if you look at my timeline, that's how I interact with the majority of people on Twitter of like, <laughs> yes, but are you aware of Lil Uzi Vert? Yes. Yeah, yeah, all his, yeah, yeah. I believe all of his friends are dead. I'm not sure why. <laughs> uh, so he is at Lucas underscore. Or Mancini, and if you would like to follow me, Will Young, I am at WSY on air. So feel free to do so if you like. Uh, yeah, so and you may see when Lucas is in v- Vancouver and Seattle. If you're a listener over there, and if you want to meet and greet with the boy. All right, so next week it is our long-awaited look at Arthur Season 1. Lucas and I are looking back at the first season of Arthur, all 30 episodes, and giving our individual takes, our hot takes, on the top five of the season and our general thoughts overall. And then in two weeks when we come back for the next full episode, uh, with all hope, we will be covering Arthur's Underwear and Francine Frensky Olympic Rider. How crude. <laughs> And then we will uh, we will be seeing about there's going to be another week off coming in June, but uh, we'll be seeing about whether that will be a, just a week off in general or if we may have an episode in the works. We'll let you know. We'll let you know. This is Will Young. Thanks for listening to another episode of Elwood City Limits. We really appreciate you sticking by us. Lucas, before you go to Vancouver, what do you got to say? Woof, woof. All right, Lucas, happy, safe travels, and we'll catch up with you in two weeks' time. <laughs>